Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever show. And on today's episode, I am joined by Melissa Clement. Melissa, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for being with us. I really appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. So you are out of the Austin market, right? Yes. One of the coolest places on earth. Absolutely. Fantastic. And fastest growing. That's what I've heard that you've got tremendous amount of growth right now. There's some businesses coming into town. What does that look like? It's huge, huge, just booming. Yeah. And are you in the city of Austin? Where are you located in relation to actual Austin? I live in Leander, just north of Austin, but okay. most of the work that I do is in Austin proper. Gotcha. And so I've, you know, I checked you out online and you're very design heavy. Are you primarily a designer or a house flipper? What's your primary model? Uh, I started off as a, as a stager and designer and have gone into the business of flipping homes. So I guess I am design heavy, but I think that that's one of the draws to my work and people following what I'm doing and, you know, getting in line for my homes. Yeah. Oh, that's, man, if somebody's getting in line for your homes, that's a good, that's that's a good thing. You're doing something (laughs) right. You got people lining up. It's working. So you were in staging first and I guess you just sort of saw the other flippers that were having success and you're like, I'm helping these guys do this and just that I could do this myself. Yeah, honestly, I was a stay-at-home mom of five kids. Uh, my husband was working full-time for us and I was an art major in college and uh-huh. never really had an outlet for that until my kids were in high school. Mm-hmm. And then I started staging homes after having remodeled my own home. A realtor friend of mine came to me and said, your house is gorgeous. Will you do some staging for me? So we used our own furniture to like stage houses at first. It kind of grew from there. I started doing some staging for a flipper. Uh And uh, then he started asking me, what do you think about this tile? What do you think about this color? And went home one day and I told my husband, we could do this, you know? So we sold our home. We did a live-in staging to save money. And that's how we paid for our first flip. So your first flip was financed by just selling your own house, cashing out some equity and just started flipping from there. Exactly. Really? Exactly. Your husband obviously believed in you was willing to sell the house. So much so that as things became successful, he suggested that we roll over all of his IRA money into a self-directed IRA fund. And that is actually how we fund all of the 30 flips that we have done. Wow. Self-directed IRA. So I'm in charge of all of our retirement now. Oh my, all my hands. <laughs> Big responsibility. He's very trusting. Yes. Like, that's amazing. Good man. So now are you, you're doing a couple of years, is that right? Three or four a year? I do three or four a year right now. We're looking to grow. Um, I'm trying to talk my brother into coming on to help me. There you go. So let's talk about the type of houses that you're flipping in Austin. Austin's a great, nice market, and obviously you're design intensive, so my guess is it's probably slightly higher-end houses. I am. I consider myself a high-end home flipper. Okay. Home flipper. There you go. So I'm looking for the worst house in the best neighborhood with the best school district, basically. Gotcha. And I would be willing to switch out best school district for uh, closer in location, but for me, because I live kind of out a little bit out of town. Mm -hmm. 
I don't mind going to this, you know, not being, not driving all the way downtown every day. Sure. That yeah. relieves a big burden for me. Absolutely. How far are you then from, uh, from in town, Austin? I'm about 30 minutes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So you're like in a suburb. So where are most of the houses that you're flipping then? Um, they're in Northwest Austin. Okay. So, so a little closer really to you. Good schools there. Uh -huh. A lot of growth there. Uh, it just so happens that the Apple campuses have started like being developed and growing over near there. Oh, so wow. it ends up being a great uh, fit for me. So is there a certain like specific school district or neighborhood that you're concentrating on? Uh, yes, but I don't want to tell you. Which That's right. I wouldn't is. know anyways. <laughs> you all you got to do is say Northwest Austin. Yes. Uh, so give me an idea. What, what are the price points that you're typically buying at? Um, I try to buy, I try to buy for under five. When I first started in this um, area about nine years ago, I think I bought my first house for two eighty five, mm -hmm. and was so happy to sell it for four fifty. Mm -hmm. And now I cannot buy a house for four fifty over there. I mean, it's tough. Really, this is tough. in how many years has it appreciated that much? Um, this happened. It got to that appreciation probably three years ago. Wow. Yeah. And I know I'm shooting myself in the foot because a lot of it is working that area. Yeah. You know. My own comps are kind of killing me in some ways. But now I can buy a house in the mid fours to fives mm -hmm. and um, I can sell in the high eights and low nines. Wow. The yeah, same areas great. that were selling in the 200s. Same exact neighborhood. Are selling in the nines now. Yes. I'm telling you, I've heard that, that Austin's just going bananas. It's such a cool place to live. Yeah, and not everywhere is. You yeah. know, I, I think it does help me to have stayed mostly in the same neighborhood the whole time. Yeah. I would say 90% of my 35 houses have been in that area, that school district. Wow. So I've, I've noticed that people have started following me. They know they want to move to Austin. They know they want that school district. And they see me on Instagram or something. And so they get excited about when is your next one going to be available? I want to be the first one in that wow. kind of thing. So that has helped a lot too. Okay. So your, your model is you've really developed a specific reputation in a specific area of town so much so that people know you for your work and they're looking for your next house. Is yeah. that accurate? That, that's really accurate. And I've also tried to develop my social media presence mm -hmm. uh, specifically on Instagram Yep. Because I have a lot of Austin followers and um, they have started to know my work. If they're looking for something new, then they're, they're willing to look in Northwest Austin in order to get one of my houses. Wow. So that's See, that's unique. It's unique that somebody specializes in such a specific area uh, and then really carves out a reputation for themselves. It's almost like you're a new home builder where people are seeking out a custom home from a home builder, but they're your... Yours, and I'm, I'm assuming they're extremely design heavy. That's obviously Very. why you built a, a following on Instagram, right? Very design heavy. I'm super picky and just so, so, so uh, picky is the best word I can think of. Yeah. You know, just very detail oriented. Yeah. So, High quality, obviously. Yeah. Well, I think so. Yeah. I guess well, other how much? Think so. <laughs> obviously, other people do too. What are you? So, what's the typical rehab price point for you? I have not spent less than 150 on a house for five years at least. Yes. Okay. So you're so, spending, you're doing everything. 
I'm doing everything. We basically gut the house. We, I do, I do try to, you know, donate cabinets or I actually, <laughs> my kids have made all of their uh, money for college by selling stuff out of the houses. Really? So now that my kids are all graduated from college, I'll just take another, you know, high school senior usually from my church congregation and say, Hey, do you want to make a couple thousand dollars? Yeah. Sell everything out of this house. So they'll come in, they'll measure all the cabinets and they'll sell everything they can. And it's been a good income for people. That's amazing. Yeah. Good for you. You're educating people in the same process, flipping houses. That's, well, that's I hate filling up landfills. That's the downside of, yeah. of the work that I do, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. But you're also, you're adding, I mean, you're, you're turning neighborhoods around, you're adding value to those neighborhoods. I mean, you're, yeah. what you're doing is, is a really good thing. So out of these 30 some houses, I'm, I'm sure there is one that stands out to you as your best deal ever. Well, my best deal ever is the one that I just most recently sold. Honestly, each one goes up a little bit more, right? Yeah. So my most recent sale is the one that I've made the most money on so far. Wow. Next one will be even more than that. That's right. Okay. Well, tell me about it. How did you source this one? Well, this one came through a wholesaler. He approached me and said that he knew that I did houses in the zip code and would I be interested in it? Um, I had bought a house from a wholesaler before. And so I thought, well, we might as well try this. They had good terms. And um, the only downside was that they wanted a lease back because the the kids lived out of town and they were putting their father who lived in the home into assisted living. Okay. Them out of town. Yep. So they needed to be able to go through all of his stuff. And it was 40 years worth of stuff, right? Yep, yep. So I think they did the best they could. Um, they gave us a $5,000 deposit um, in order to lease back. Yep. But as the days went on and the terms were coming to a close, I was like, there's no way they're going to get everything out of here. So anyway, we, we said the time is up and we had so much stuff to go through. Really? That was kind of a bummer. I wish I had just had an estate sale. Yeah. I tried to bring in the college students, right. To make some money, but yeah. that takes a lot of time. And anyway, lesson learned next time, if I get a house that is full of stuff, I'm just going to have this, the estate sale myself and just sell yeah. everything out of it. Yeah. Because it took us, I would say 10 days to, with five guys working to get all the stuff taken out of there, you know, taken to Salvation Army, taken to the dump, whatever. Yeah. Three car garage plus yeah. the whole house. It was yeah. a nightmare. Yeah, we've done that many times where we've taken over a house and the uh, and the kids didn't want really much of anything. And so we're left mm-hmm. with it all. And it's kind of it's funny reflecting back, it's a little bit sad. These people spend yes. their whole lives collecting all exactly. these memorabilia and it just goes in the dumpster. Exactly. It's exactly. Sort of- and that's one reason why I really wanted if there was a, a buyer out there, someone who wanted this stuff, I would love to give it to them. Yeah. Finding that connection is tough. Now there's a business idea right there. <laughs> That's right. There you go. You know, we did the last time we had a house like that uh, last year, actually, that was just everything was in there. Some of my employees went in there and, uh, and they did a state sale for a couple weekends in a row. Yeah. And yeah. I, I gave them a percentage of everything, everything, but then we took all the money that we made and we threw a big party for the company. And so That's we're handing idea. out gift cards to everybody and we did it up right. It was fun. I mean, it made it more of like a team thing. Yes. No one person was benefiting, but, so but yeah, there's, there's gold time. in those, right? Sometimes there's amazing things to find. 
Oh, uh, there was a lot of original artwork there that was very valuable that I ended up with. Wow. Like stashed in corners and stuff. So I got some nice artwork out of it. There you go. Yeah, it's not all bad. It's not all junk usually. So $10,000 later, I was like, man, this $5,000 deposit is, you know, nothing compared to the time and money I'm spending getting it out. I'm sure. But it was all good. I so think was it like that one thir- again, go ahead. What was that, like a 30-day lease back for them to try Something to get all their like stuff that. out? I can't gotcha. remember exactly, but I think it, it may have been less than 30 days. Okay. Yeah, I think we gave them 15 to 20 days, something like that. Gotcha. But um, we spent, again, about 150 on uh, fixing up the house, the pool, you know, replacing equipment, resurfacing the pool. Wow. Doing all of that stuff. We bought the house for 507 Okay. And um, we put it on the market for $8.99. And within 24 hours, we had multiple offers and it sold for $9.25. Wow. That's amazing. Profit. I haven't gone through our exact expenditures. Um, $150 was my guess, but I think that's pretty accurate. So I think our profit's about $230. Unbelievable. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that was a good one. Are you selling at the top of the market? Are your houses selling kind of, are you pushing the, the comps? Yes. For you that are. neighborhood, absolutely. Okay. Uh, when we sell, I normally, if, if it's not a cash offer and they need to have an appraisal done, then I have to provide my own comps yeah. for yeah. my own houses. Because yeah, so. appraisers, a lot of times, they don't do a good job of giving you credit for really nice finishes. Yes. They're looking at square footage and bedrooms and baths and there's, there's, it's not apples to apples, yeah. right? Some of the comps that they use, I'm like, are you kidding me? I wouldn't move into that house if you paid me. (laughs) I know. It can be so frustrating. You're like, you need to appreciate my nice quality and work and whatnot. So 925. So, okay. So let's talk real quick about how you funded it. You had mentioned that your husband has a retirement account. Is that typically how you guys buy and fund the rehab? Now uh, we've, yeah. I mean, I was curious last year when the, when the stock market just went so crazy. Yeah. So well. I was like, oh man, I hope that I made at least the same amount of money during this eight-year period as if we had left it in the stock market and mutual funds, right? So I sat down and I figured it out and I did better than the stock market by far. So oh gosh, I would think so. I was really happy about that. It made me feel better that he had trusted me with all of the money. So yeah. are all the so are you lending to an entity or are you actually buying in the in the IRA? Buying in the IRA, we have uh, three self-directed IRA accounts, LLCs, and then I have a personal LLC. Um, And those can combine together, you know, depending, like there's the Roth IRA, there's a SEP IRA, all different tax entities. So, um, but now you can combine them and just divvy it up later. So as long as you know up front what the delineation is going to be, then... It works out great. And so all the we profits, haven't had to borrow money for a long time now. That's amazing. That's such a good way to do it. Is now all the money going back? I mean, all the profits though are being recognized in the in the retirement accounts. Yes. Correct. Which again, though, it's all still essentially tax free or tax deferred, depending on which what exactly. it is. Except so. for the one in my personal. So I do my Melissa Clement Designs account does take part in some of this. Gotcha. I got bills to pay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say it's tough if it's all tied up in retirement accounts, and it does get a little tricky. I mean, you know, mingling retirement accounts and personal. So you definitely want to make sure you have a, a good CPA that's kind of walking exactly. you through all that. Exactly. So yeah. 
So you funded it yourself. And then in terms of exiting, you just listed it with a real estate agent. Now, are you licensed or do you just have somebody that you work with? No, but I'm in the process of that. Um, a very sad event happened. So that original realtor that I talked to you about that got me started staging and has been my cheerleader for all these years. She just recently. Oh no. Sorry. Oh, that's tough. Gosh, it, it hits me all the time. Yeah. She just recently passed away last month. Oh, I'm sorry. That's tough. So it was worth it to me because of the, because of the scenario and getting me started in the business and everything. And she was such a cheerleader for me all these wow. years. Um, even though at a certain point I knew that I didn't really need her yeah. in order to do my business and sell these houses that I was doing or even find them because people were coming to us at that point. Um, I still, we, I did that because of our friendship, right? Yeah. yeah. It was the cast your bread upon the waters idea. Sure. Absolutely. So at this point now with her passing, I, that's part of why I'm thinking I need to change things. Maybe I start growing by doing this myself or taking on my brother to come in the mix and I could have a whole other crew going on. So well, I it, have seven guys that work for me every day right now. Those, that's your crew. My crew. I gotcha. Yeah. And then we bring in, I bring in subcontractors of uh, tile, electrical, plumbing. Right. Right. Framing. Specific trades. Mm -hmm. Cause really, I mean, one deal at 900,000, I mean, if you listed it yourself, you're saving 30,000 bucks. I mean, exactly. that's, that's a lot. And you do a couple so of those, those a year. My fees on that last sale were $37,000. I mean, I had a deal with her, so she gave me 1% on the sale. Okay, good. 3% to, you know, the buyer's agent. Yeah. And one to her. Gotcha. But that's still $37,000. So. That's still a lot of money, right? Yeah. And she got the full 3% up front. Oh, okay. Off the house. So yeah, well, yeah, the she wholesaler, the for example. Yeah. They don't give, they don't, they don't pay fees. So right. I paid her fees. Oh, in wow. To, in order to get the 1%. Like we always had that deal. Okay. No matter how we get the house, she gets 3% up front and 1% on the end. Oh man. So. It's very generous of you. It was, <laughs> but she was, you know, interestingly now with how things played out, I feel so good about that. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being generous. That. There's nothing wrong with being generous. It always comes back. I around. honestly feel like that if the times when I get stingy in my business, whether it's with my crew or otherwise, it's when I don't do as well on the sale. So that's interesting. I learned that lesson. Yeah. As, as I open my heart and am I am, and am generous. Yeah. I am generously paid back. Yeah. So. That's a good word. Well, so that that's a good segue into what, what did you learn through this one and just even the, the last handful of houses that you've done that you've implemented in your business that you would maybe even pass on to somebody else that's looking to kind of follow in your footsteps? Wow. I am not sure if I have anything that is that specific because there's so many things. And a lot of them are the trite sayings that everyone knows. Buy low, sell high. You know? <laughs> right. But I definitely believe in doing the very, very best quality that yeah. you can. In fact, I would spend extra on doing it right rather than thinking, oh, I'm going to save a buck by painting over this rotted wood face yet. You yep. know? Right. It's, it, I just, yeah, I see. I'm thinking of a house specifically that was, that I passed on because it needed so much work. Another flipper came in and bought it and literally painted over the rotted wood fascia and the house sold yeah. for a good price. 
but you don't build that name recognition by doing that. Right. You don't get multiple offers on the 25th house that you've done in that neighborhood if you do that. And for me, I'd rather not make as much money for the first five, but build up my name and my reputation so that then when you have people waiting to buy your houses, yeah. uh, that's, that's the ideal for me. Yeah, that so, is... I think that is a testament to the business that you've built. And there's not many house flippers that I know of that have built such a good local reputation that agents and wholesalers are bringing them deals because they know they're going to do a good job. But then at the, on the back end that you have people literally waiting in line for your next house, that is a phenomenal business that you've built for yourself. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So, well, Melissa, this was awesome. This is a great lesson in doing quality work and building a reputation in your local market. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. So nice to meet you. You too. Take care. Bye. Hey friends, let's talk for just a minute about the market we're in right now. It's tough, right? Deals are hard to come by. The last thing you need is trouble funding a deal once you've done the hard work to source it. Trust me, I get it. I've been at this for 16 years and financing deals is often a huge pain in the rear. So I decided to solve the problem. I launched Red Capital Lending for real estate investors like me and probably like you. The days of paying 12% interest are over. And if it's taking more than a week for your lender to close, you're using the wrong lender. We've built Red Capital Lending for the sole purpose of providing the lowest cost of investment capital possible. I'm talking about interest rates in the sevens. With the highest level of customer service and with the fastest turnarounds, our goal is to provide funding within five days. If you've got a deal coming up and you're ready to save money and avoid the typical hassles associated with most lenders, take a minute and just submit your deal at redcapitallending.com. We'd love to work with you and show you just how easy it can be to fund your next project. Again, redcapitallending.com. Okay, so let's get back to the show, except in this segment, we're gonna talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. Okay, I am with my new friend, Melissa. And Melissa, I want to hear about your worst deal ever. Okay, my worst deal ever. Well, it really wasn't a bad deal to start off with. Things were going great. Uh Um, Doing three to four houses a year means I always have one or two working at the same time. Yep. So specifically in 2016, um, that spring, right before the election process started, um, things just really started to slow down. I had one house that was finished. It went on the market. And then I also owned the back door neighbor to that house. Okay. And while the other one was still sitting, waiting for a good buyer on the market, the next one comes on the market too, unfortunately, right back to back. And it's sitting there as well. So for whatever reason, people were just really, really shy about spending money on a nice house that year. What were the price points? What, what did you buy them for and what were you trying to sell them for approximately? I think that we sold, we bought those houses in the fours, okay, like low fours, mm-hmm. and we were trying to sell in the mid sevens. Gotcha. Yeah. And they just sat, I think we ended up selling one in the low sixes and I wow. think we just barely broke even on that one. And another one, we, the backdoor neighbor we ended up losing probably 20,000 on that house. And if I remember you, you self fund these as well. So it's not like you even had an interest payment. It was just that you had to drop the price that much. 
Yes. I mean, had we you had like hard money price, on it or something, that would have been really painful. It would have been really bad. Yeah. We had to drop the price, but uh, you know, our carrying costs here in Austin are high, even if it's self-funded just because property taxes are high, especially in good school districts. That's right. Cause so, you guys don't have a, an income tax in Texas. That's right. So what's, no, what, what, what does that look like? What's how much is a property tax? In that neighborhood, um, I average about $1,000 a month property taxes, plus insurance and water bills are high to keep the grass green. So even Holy though we God. have, you know, the system, you can only water once a week or whatever, it still is expensive. That's great. You're buying in the fours and paying 1000 a month in property tax. That's yes. crazy high. Yes. So, so that's a lot of carrying costs. Get it, get it done as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah, you want in, you want out. Right. So the downside to um, that we haven't talked about this, but there are some houses I buy that are very small and they have a real specific problem. Like they don't have an indoor laundry room or they only have two bedrooms or things like that. I have to, my model, I have to have four bedrooms, preferably four bedrooms plus an office. Wow. And in Texas, you have to have the laundry room inside the house. There's no other way around that. So sometimes I'll buy these houses that nobody else wants because of those problems, right? Yep. And then I'll take the roof off and then I'll build up. Okay. So I have made really good money doing that. The problem though is the time because with a thousand dollars a month in property taxes um, plus insurance and you're waiting for architectural drawings, engineering drawings, and then you're waiting for city permits, which is another long time. Yeah. So easily the house that I'm working on, my newest buy I've owned for almost for over two months now. And I just sent in the permit application yesterday. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I've been actively working on it since before we even closed. So I feel your pain. It's painful. I've got but, houses in Atlanta that I've been waiting on permits for over a year. <gasps> oh yeah. Okay. Well, I don't feel so bad then. Yeah. The certain municipalities are tough. Atlanta is very hard on, on getting uh, permits. Yes. So, and then it's like you said, if the, your, your holding costs will eat you up if you're not careful. Yeah, exactly. And that goes, so saying that in certain parts of Atlanta that you said, yeah. certain parts of Austin are the same way. And so that's another reason why I like the area that I work in. It's not in the McMansion district. Right. Um, right. There's not a bunch of crazy hoops that I have to, you know, jump through. Yeah, because you're outside of the city limits yes. a little bit north of town, which is good. That helps. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you attribute, though, the loss to the election year, people that were just so much you know, uncertainty in the market? It's the only thing that yeah. I can figure because wow. the quality of the homes were, was top-notch, beautiful, everything. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a crazy time. Nobody knew what to expect. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's good cautionary tale for you folks that are flipping – uh, next year, we come up into an election year. Be careful. It scares me too. There's a lot of uncertainty. Who knows, right? Exactly. People, people get nervous. I'm not you tell yourself you're, that I'm going to slow down, but then you find a great deal and you're like, oh, I can't pass it up. So yeah. yeah, I'm back right in the thick of things. We're not in necessarily an election year right now, but I feel there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. I've, at least we're feeling a lot of slowdown and days on market are going up. And I think that's what it is. People are just uncertain. Where Everybody keeps hearing recession, 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 and it hasn't exactly. come and it's not coming, but they're tentative. They don't, they don't necessarily want to exactly. buy you right now. So yeah. it's a weird time that we're in. Yeah. So, well, this was good. I appreciate you uh, sharing your, I mean, honestly, worst deal ever. If you lost a couple you know, 10, 20,000, it's not horrible, but it's definitely painful, right? Yeah. It's still painful. Yeah. So, all right, Melissa, well, thanks so much for coming on.
Thanks, Ken. It was nice talking to you. You too. Take care. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the Best Deal Ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.